Welcome to the Mindset, Magic, and Manifestation podcast. I'm your host, Michaela from MichaelaJ.com. I'm a manifestation mindset coach and blogger. If you're ready to dive in deep, get real AF about your beliefs, and manifest the life of your dreams, then you're in the right place. I'm dishing out everything you need to go from broke to bougie, first class to world class. If your hashtag life goals involve luxury, travel, and being the boss of your own life, then get ready to embrace your mindset, magic, and manifestation powers. Let's do this. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Mindset, Magic, and Manifestation podcast. Thanks for joining me for another week of good mindset goodness. That was a horrible sentence. (laughs) Hello, hi. I am Michaela, your host. I am also the owner and founder of the business Michaela J, where I teach women how to optimize their mindsets for success in automatic manifestation. I am a luxury success coach. So here we are talking about success and mindset and all the things. How are you? If this is your first time listening, welcome to the gang. I am so happy to have you here. I love meeting you in the DMS. I love seeing you guys tag me on Instagram. So if you are listening right now, just take a quick screenshot, post it on your IG story and tag me at B Michaela J. I repost every single one of you who tags me in your stories. It means so much to me. And if you are a repeat listener, hello, my love. How are you? (laughs) This week, we have an interview with my friend, Chelsea, who is another one of my Bali friends. Now, Chelsea was just visiting um, on her own little vacation when I met her. I met her through a friend of a friend, and I was super excited to have her on. We did a really epic episode on her podcast, um, which is called In My Non-Expert Opinion, and she interviewed me all about business and scaling, my journey, money, all of the things. So I brought her on my podcast to talk to you guys about her literally like world tour move where she moved from Chicago to Australia, how she made that work, how everything has just fallen into her lap so easily, how she continues to shift her mindset and also all about mindful movement and how that's really aided her in being present and more positive in her life. So it's a really good episode. Chelsea, um, like I said, is the podcast host of the podcast and my non-expert opinion, which covers lifestyle, travel, business, and manifestation. She's interviewed industry experts like moi, myself, and Lauren Everett's from The Skinny Confidential, who we absolutely love. Chelsea is a major yogi, but less granola and more yoga girl next door, which is actually another brand that she runs all about yoga and breath and mindfulness. So I can't wait to share her story with you guys and her move and all of the things. But first, this week's sponsor is an exciting one because the doors are reopening for my membership site, the level up Lux lounge. It's been a minute since I've talked about it because I told you guys when it closed in like December, it was closed. So we closed it for a couple months. Now we're opening the doors. If you guys love, love, love the podcast and you want to go deeper with these concepts, you want to learn directly from me. The membership is a way you can do that. It's only $37 a month. You get a Q and a with me every month. You get a masterclass, you get the Facebook community where you can ask questions and get coaching all of the things. Just remember, Remember to use the code podcast when you are checking out to get the $37 a month deal. And the link for that will be in the show notes. 
So this week's manifestation mode moment is more of like a shout out to a boutique called State of Mine, and mine is spelled M-Y-N-E. So I found the founder of this botoc, boutique on TikTok. Oh my goodness. The founder of the boutique on TikTok, and she was making these really cute outfit videos. And you know me, love my fashion. I was like, oh, this girl knows how to dress. Like I'm following her. And then I followed her on Instagram because I loved all of her style inspo and found out that probably 90% of her outfits are all from her own boutique. So we love a good girl boss. Her boutique is super cute. And since everybody's kind of isolated right now, she's sharing more of the pieces that you can wear at home that are cute, comfortable, but still look fashionable. So state of mine, go check it out. We will have their Instagram linked in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Chelsea. Okay. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Chelsea. Hi. I'm so excited to have you here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Same. I'm super excited to talk about Australia and yoga and Bali and spiritual awakenings and all of the things. Everything. (laughs) Oh, good. Um, Let's get started with our speed dating questions. Are you ready? Yes, I think so. Okay. What's your horoscope sign? Aquarius. Ooh. Oh my gosh. I just saw the funniest video today and it was like horoscope signs in quarantine by Benny drama. And the Aquarius one was so funny. It was Reiki. Yeah. It's like Reiki. (laughs) I'm like, that is me. (laughs) You're like, yes. It was like, how to the collective during this time. I was dying. I was like, that is so accurate. (laughs) So I saw that. I was like, wait, he got it so spot on. He is so good. Super funny. Okay. What's your daily ritual? Daily ritual right now is definitely waking up, journaling immediately with a nice cup of coffee, reading one page or two from Heart Talk by Cleo Wade. It's like this poetic wisdom book that it's just one or each chapter is, it's not even a chapter. It's just like daily lessons and passages. So I read Mm -hmm. one of those a day, um, meditate for five to 10 minutes. I've been using this app called Center, C-E-N-T-R. It's actually Chris Hemsworth's app. He's doing a six-week trial right now. Yeah. And he has all these different trainers and um, like healers and things on there. And so I've been listening to their guided meditations and then doing either some type of yoga flow or Melissa Wood health workout app. I've been doing that for the past probably 14 days in a row for just quick, short like Pilates and yoga flows. That is what I've been doing in the morning. And I definitely need to work on my evening routine. I kind of just (laughs) do whatever I'm feeling. I'm like, okay, should I watch a show? Should I read? Should I call my mom? Like last night I FaceTimed my mom until four in the morning. So no evening routine, but I would say daily rituals (laughs) are like definitely starting out with that whole morning routine because then it just sets the tone for my day. Yeah. Wow. You have that down. I love that. It has a little bit of like, it has the mind, body and soul all tied into it. And I think that's important. Yeah. That is the goal. Like if I move, then I'm like, wait, I still also need to take care of my mind. And if I only Mm -hmm. take care of my mind, I'm like, wait, I need some movement. So I'm definitely about like mind and movement right now. I love that. And, and also with the night routine thing, I feel you, I'm not super, I'm not super strict about my rituals other than like, I have to journal every single day with, but with nighttime, the number one thing I always do is I go outside and look at the stars. That's like the only thing I have as a night ritual, but 
Yeah, I'm just, I'm very connected to the sky and the stars because in my past life, I was an alien on a star. So I'm like, okay, we got to go look at the sky every day. Love that. <laughs> um, yeah, but other than that, you know, I'm in the same boat. No really night rituals. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I, the one thing I do is I spray lavender spray all over my bed, like perfect, you know, one of those like intense sprays where you're just like, yeah. So that is the one thing that helps me calm down. I like douse my entire bed in lavender spray. Oh, so good. Okay. What's your favorite travel destination? Travel destination? I would say, oh my gosh, I guess it, as a whole, Europe. And then I really love Spain and Croatia. Like those are the two most beautiful places I've seen in a really long time. And there's something like so warm and cozy and foreign. I really love going to those two places. So I would say it's a tie between Croatia and Spain. Oh, I'm dying to go to Croatia. That is so high on my list. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. I want to go back and just stay there for like three months. It was amazing. Oh, you should. Can you do that without a visa? I don't know. I need to look into it because that is something that is like on my 2020 slash 21 vision is doing little short stints all over Europe. So that I'll look into it and get back to you. Oh, I like that vibe. I will have to meet you somewhere. Europe is calling my freaking name. Once all this travel ban stuff is over, I'm like flying straight to Paris. (laughs) Yeah, I am feeling like so called to Europe. I'm probably going to stay where I am now and then go there in a little bit. But like, I just had a friend move to England. My other friend lives in Denmark. I have a ton of British friends. So I'm like, I think Europe's next. Yes. You're like, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love it. Okay. What's the coolest thing you've manifested? (sighs) Coolest thing I've manifested probably, I would say my life in Europe, my Europe, (laughs) I'm thinking of Europe now, my life in (laughs) Australia, eventually my life in Europe, Um, my life in Australia, I think is one of the coolest things I manifested. And I would say weirdly enough, even where I am right now which we can get into. Yeah. How did that occur? Give us the deets. So I am currently in Australia. Which one? The the one where I'm now or my whole Australia story? Let's hear where you're living now because then we'll get into okay. Australia later. Perfect. Okay. So basically, as we all know, we're stuck in the middle of a quarantine coronavirus <laughs> crisis. And this is right when I had left Sydney to go to a remote area to do my 88 days. So anyone listening, if you're on a working holiday visa in Australia, in order to stay for a second year on that same visa, you have to go spend 88 days doing regional work in specific zip codes. So you don't get to do it in Sydney or Melbourne or any of those fun cities. You have to go to like really remote areas. So <laughs> this is this outbreak happened right when I moved. I left three jobs that I had that were paying me really well. Australia's minimum wage is so high. And I left all those jobs. Yeah. Like $25 an hour or something. It's crazy. Um, so left all that money. I left my cute little apartment in Bondi, which I manifested like my dream life down there. And I was like, all right, time to go do this work. This outbreak happened. And I ended up living in a hostel for almost a month. This is a true backpacker hostel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like bunk beds, people in there say free breakfast, but it's like bread and butter. Everyone, oh my god, yeah, like very backpacker hostel. And I remember the first two days, I was so negative. I was like, "Fuck this! I can't believe I'm here. These people are not my people." 
like, I hate this. I need to get out. And then I was like, okay, Chelsea, you can either stay here and be miserable or you can make the most of it and something better will come. Like my mantra that whole time is something will work out. It always does. Something will work out. It always does. Like I just kept repeating that to myself. And then I started journaling everything I was grateful for as if I was staying at a palace. I was like, wow, (laughs) you have a pool in your backyard. You have all these people that have, you know, a traveling mindset. You're going to end up in such an amazing place. Like this is just a stepping stone. And literally the next day I went to this person that's a recruiter. It's weird. It's like she places backpackers in these remote jobs. She's like known for that, which I didn't even know existed. And she's like, (laughs) Hey, I actually have this opportunity for you in Western Australia that you would work at a hotel. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I wanted to do for my work. Because (laughs) you either do farm work, and I'm talking straight (laughs) up on a farm, like fruit picking, working with animals. Like I'm, it sounds crazy. No. Or yeah, (laughs) for some reason, Americans, we can do hospitality or tourism. Like we got a pass there. And obviously (laughs) I wanted to do that, not farm work. Right. So when she said you can work at a hotel, I was like, thank God. And it was a receptionist, which I was like, that was the position I wanted because I didn't obviously want to do like housekeeping or cooking or anything. So I was like, that's exactly what I wanted. And then I happened to come back to fill out the paperwork. And she's like, you know what? I actually think you'd be a really good fit to be an au pair for the people that own the hotel. You would stay in their house and be and not have to pay rent. And I was like, what? Oh, That's amazing. Like, all my money. You? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All my money usually goes to rent, especially in Bondi. Like my, I was blowing money yeah. on rent. And so I was thinking, okay, whatever. It's going to be a cute little house in Western Australia. Michaela, I'm in a mansion right now. I am <laughs> in a like five bedroom mansion. I have my own room. There's a pool with a waterfall. It's by the ocean. There's two different balcony patios that overlook the ocean. I'm not paying a single dime to stay here. The husband is a like luxury chef. So he cooks all the time for us. They pay for it. Like I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did I just go from staying in bunk beds, (laughs) literally eating toast to living in a mansion for free. And now I have all this time to focus on my own stuff. And that was something I think that was really cool that I manifested. Cause I know if I stayed in that negative mind space, I probably would have lived in some shitty apartment, stayed in that hostel, <laughs> worked a shitty job for 80 days. And, then a farm. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is amazing. Like I'm literally sitting in my own room right now, looking out at palm trees and I don't have to do a thing today. It's insane. Oh. So good. I love that. And that just shows the power of like gratitude and then also your mind. And just because basically what you did in the manifestation world, we would call that scripting. It's like you write out the reality you want, but in past tense or as if you're living it in the present. And that just activates this part of your brain called the reticular activating system. So it starts to go look for those things. Like our brains are so powerful. Exactly. And everyone that I was talking to was like, I've never heard of this setup. Like, what are you talking about? You usually (laughs) live in a backpacker hostel, you do your 88 days and that's it. And I just kept writing. I'm like, I'm so grateful that I get to see the sunshine. I'm so grateful for this. And then it showed up in my life. And it's just because I happened Mm -hmm. to talk to that recruiter that I think what you're talking about saw my energy and was like, wow, this girl would be a great fit. And they're like, you know, everyone wants that role. Everyone wants to be the hotel's managers au pair. 
And by the way, I don't even really like kids. So the fact that (laughs) I got this job, I wasn't like, yay, I can't wait to work with kids. It was just, wow. Like, I'm so grateful to be here now. Mm, That is so good. That's so juicy. Everyone's going to be like, send me to Australia so I can live for free. (laughs) Yeah, right? Not paying a dime. So good. What is your favorite luxury purchase? My favorite luxury purchase is usually something with travel. Like I, I don't Mm -hmm. spend money on clothes. I just don't value fashion. I don't value a lot of like different things. Like I I just don't, but I do value travel. So if I go to travel, like I really like to go all out not really even really with hotels. It's usually the experiences. Like when I went to Denmark, we went to a 10 course dinner and it was the funnest, most wow. amazing dinner of my life. When I went to Croatia, when I did that trip, I went on Yacht Week, which was not cheap, but it was stu- oh, it was the most fun, best week of my life. It was life-changing. And we got there, when, when we got off the boats, we were eating at beach clubs, we were getting bottles. Like I love spending my money on that stuff. So I would <laughs> say purchases are definitely to like splurging when it comes to travel. I love that. I'm the same way. Well, I like all of the things. I like the material things, but I also love to go all out when I travel. Like, and I am like also a hotel person or, so I'm like, put me in the Ritz Carlton. I'm ordering five plates from room service and (laughs) let's do this. Let's go there. (laughs) Love that. Just everything. Yes. The most fun. Okay. What's your favorite book? My favorite book is definitely the You Are a Badass books by Jen Sincero. They completely transformed my mind around like manifestation and the universe because you've probably dealt with this where people think that the word manifestation means like it's a magic trick. (laughs) Like you just think something and it falls in your lap or it's like a test like, oh, well, I I wanted to manifest $1 million. Why isn't it in my bank account? I'm like, no, it's not a game show. (laughs) Like you have to actually... (laughs) do work and that book made it so relatable she's a really funny writer but she wrote one about money specifically and that one really helped because I have a lot of money blocks which we talked about on my podcast that you were just on yeah um and that book really really helped because she just reframed so many things but not in an overly like spiritual or intimidating way it was kind of just like funny but not abrasive or brash. It was like, oh, duh, that makes sense. So she also has um, just a regular You Are a Badass books. And then it's like, you are a badass at making money. You are a badass at everyday life. And they're really, really good for anyone looking to get into like shifting that mindset and manifesting your dream life. Yeah, I read the the normal You Are a Badass book, the original one, and I actually hated it. But I think I think it was because I those books to me are like perfect for the entry level. Like if yes. you are just starting and you want those like really easy money shifts and mindset shifts, that's who it's perfect for. I think I've been studying all this stuff for a couple of months. And I was like, I feel like I'm being talked down to in this right. book. Yeah. Uh, so, Cause it is very, very simple. So if I, I love that recommendation. If you guys are like just starting to shift and you want it in a very like blunt, simple, easy, funny way, then I definitely think the book is a good fit for that type of person. Yeah. And I was definitely like entry level with the money stuff. Like, you know, mm-hmm. from talking to me. So I was like, I need bite-sized <laughs> information. That's just like yeah. snackable. So yeah, definitely good for like those starting out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is just like a good basic one. One thing that I loved slash hated about the book was at the end of like every chapter, she like wrote, like, I love myself or something like that. And I think that's okay. a great idea when you're starting out reprogramming your mindset, because you're reading that sentence over and over and over again. It also irritated the shit out of me, but I think that's a good thing. You know, the things that trigger you are good things. So yes, so true. So good. Okay. Last speed dating question. What is your go-to coffee or tea order? Uh, you know, I did not become a coffee person until I moved to Australia. And really? everyone said that, yeah, I did not like, I mean, I actually did, I drank coffee as more of a social thing at my old job. Like everyone would just walk to Starbucks together. And my coffee mm-hmm. order was like a milkshake. Like I would get a double <laughs> chocolate mocha frappuccino with whipped cream with syrup on top. And then, you know, after actually starting to care about my health, I was like, you need yeah. to stop with these sugar bombs <laughs> every day that I'm just kicking my day off with. And then when I moved to Australia, people are like, you know, they have like the best coffee in the world. And that's like the only place a Starbucks has never actually worked out because it's such shit coffee. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not a coffee person, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then I came here, yeah. I went to two cafes and cafe culture is really big here. And I fell in love. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm a coffee drinker. So now it's usually just some type of regular latte. I'm not really fussy with it. Like I don't do any specific milk, two sugars. Mm-hmm. I have a big sweet tooth that I'm really trying to curb, but it's usually sweet. It usually has more milk. It's like completely white. <laughs> it does not look like coffee. <laughs> it's usually like more of a milkshake again, but yeah, yeah. It's just some type of latte with some sugar. Hmm. I didn't realize Australia was so big on the coffee game. I honestly didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know that either. And then it's kind of those like weird things you get here and they're like, yeah, it's the best coffee in the world. Oh, okay. Well, that makes me excited to visit Australia sometime in the near yes. future. Who knows? <laughs> right. Oh man. That's so awesome. Okay. So on Australia, tell us about your Australia life. How did this all come about? How did you manifest moving to another country? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say my love for travel started when I studied abroad, probably similar to you, right? You studied in France. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like when you do those programs, when you're so young, it just makes your brain expand and you're like, look at this world. It's so big. What have I been doing in my little town? (laughs) And I studied actually abroad in Spain. And I remember thinking, oh, I always like, I want to live abroad for real sometime. Then naturally I went to college. I got sucked into the corporate ladder. You go to work, you have a nine to five, you take one vacation a year. That's maybe five days long. The maximum Mm -hmm. would be seven days long. If you really saved up your PTO, um, maybe have the holidays off and that's your life until you retire. And after probably, yeah, four years at my company, I was in ad sales for influencer and content marketing. And I was really good at it. I was making a shit ton of money, like over six figures. I was traveling to different clients in New York, LA, Dallas, Chicago. Like on paper, people would be like, whoa, you made it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you made it. I lived in a high rise in Chicago by the lake that I paid for. I was doing everything I wanted to do. I was getting facials. I was getting my beauty appointments done. I had a personal trainer but I always felt so unfulfilled. I was like, isn't this it? Like, isn't this what everyone Mm -hmm. talks about is the American dream? Because I feel like I have it and I don't feel any shift in my mindset. I actually felt almost depressed at times because I felt like, Mm -hmm. why am I not great? Like, why am I not enjoying this? 
And that's when the whole living abroad thing started to kick in again, where I was like, well, you owe it. You love traveling. That's probably why you're not feeling fulfilled. You get 10 days off a year. You have to spend it on one big chunk. And then maybe a few three day weekends here and there that you can go on a road trip. Like that was just not how I wanted to live. And so I started looking at jobs abroad and I felt actually weirdly called to England. And I was starting to get obsessed with England. Like I was picturing my life in London. I was actually asking friends about how everything works there. Like the taxes, getting an apartment, your phone, what banks to use. Like I was pretty Mm -hmm. gung-ho on on London. Uh, I actually applied for a ton of jobs over there. And then I ended up getting into a final round interview with one of them. I actually interviewed in London And I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going to get the job. I'm living in England. Didn't pan out. And people started to tell me how hard it was to get the visa there, like a sponsor. Not only Mm -hmm. is it hard to get a sponsor, but it's like so much money for an immigration lawyer, like $10,000 just to make sure your visa gets approved. So I just kept running into all these blocks. And (laughs) yeah, I'm like, what? Um, My one friend kept telling me about Australia. She's like, I think you just should look on Australia. They have a working holiday visa that is exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to work and holiday. So I don't know why you're not Mm -hmm. looking into it. And I was really resistant. I was like, no, I'm going to England. I don't know anybody in Australia. I also coming from America, I'm very like, I had a very stereotypical view of Australia. Oh, it's the outback. Uh, People are just (laughs) surfers it's all people like Steve Irwin. You know what I mean? Like you just don't know. (laughs) Everyone to me was like going to either be uh, surfers or camp in the outback. And I was like, I don't resonate with that at all. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I really think you would like Australia. They have beautiful beaches. It's such a like relaxed culture. Everyone's so laid back. So after so many no's from the England, you know, approach, I was like, okay, maybe look into Australia and started reading about it, started just like Googling images, started really looking at uh, like different chat boards and stuff about it that people were like, I love Australia. I I meant to be here for a year and I've stayed my whole life. And funny enough, all my American friends that had moved there ended up getting permanent residency or have been there for like five years. So then I was like, obviously these girls that I have so much in common with that we either studied abroad together or had that same love of travel, love Australia. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, okay, let me look into this visa. And there was a lot of resistance around it because this is also when I was doing really well at my job. So all the fear kicks in of why would you leave a six figure job? You get to travel for work all the time. You have so much trust from your colleagues and coworkers. Like I was leading trainings. I was, I was helping people advance in their career. Like, it, it, it's not like I actually hated my job. I just felt unfulfilled, if that makes sense. Um, right. It was like, I actually loved the work. I loved the people. It just was like, I know I'm meant for something bigger. So while I was applying to this visa, which by the way, is really easy to get, like you pretty much fill out your information and hit submit and you get it within five minutes. Um, <laughs> I did Perfect. that. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, this is weird. I have a visa now. I thought it was going to be so much more complicated, especially because of the stuff I saw in England. and. I get the visa and then I just had this huge, like overwhelming wave of fear and anxiety creep over me of like, wait, you only know like two people in Australia. You are not going to fit in there. Like, what are you going to do? And then I started realizing, I looked back at my journal and I had at some point journaled something about Australia 
where I said, I'm so grateful for this visa. I'm so grateful for the apartment I have on the beach in Sydney. I'm so grateful I saved $10,000 to live my dream life and something else. And you know, what's weird is I got this visa on 8818, which I don't know if anyone's (laughs) into numerology, but like that blew my mind and the eight being like the infinity symbol in a way, yeah. I was like, this is eerie. You know what I mean? I kind of looked at that as a sign. Oh, and that was the day that I found that journal passage. So I was like, okay, oh obviously manifesting is. Yeah, yeah, like it was insane. And then I ended up getting to Australia, living in one of the most iconic roads called Beach Road in Bondi Beach. It was almost like too good to be true at some point. I was like, is this real? <laughs> like I'm living in Bondi Beach on the beach but to your point earlier about this thing in your brain activates that it ends up just looking yeah. for things to support it, that it was like, mm-hmm. well, of course you're going to live on the beach because that's what you've been journaling about for months. Of course you're going to make friends because you've always made friends. Of course you're going to mm-hmm. fit in because this is the lifestyle you've wanted was being around a, a bunch of other travelers. So yeah, it was a lot of journaling, a lot of visualization. I remember visualizing myself waking up, getting a coffee and walking along Bondi Beach and that ended up completely coming into my world. Oh, I love that so much. There's so many things that I want to touch on just from that. I love that you reached the level of success and then you were like, I still, I just don't feel fulfilled. That mm-hmm. is a really, I think just even you being willing to admit that to yourself is a huge step because most people will, you know, suppress that and be like, you know what, I made it. Like I have the great job. I have the nice apartment. Like I can travel, I can, you know, get my lashes done. Like I can just force myself to be happy. You know, that's just such an American thing. And why were you so willing to admit you were unfulfilled? Like, what was it? Could you just not go another day at work? Like what really led to you admitting that to yourself? Yeah, I think it was actually in therapy. I went to therapy for about a year and a half. It was right before, I forget why I even like decided to go to therapy. I think it was because I was feeling like what you're saying, like, why am I not happy? I have everything I've ever wanted. What is going on? Like, I mean, I also was dealing with some relationship issues and imposter syndrome issues. And I went to therapy and I remember she straight up asked me one time, she just goes, are you happy? And I, of course in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to say, yeah, of course. Like I have, I have an apartment. I have a great mm-hmm. job. I, nothing is wrong. Like no family issues, absolutely nothing. And I like could not answer properly. I was like, mm, uh, actually, no. And I just started like bawling. And I remember that specific moment being like, you are not happy because you're not doing what you want to do. And then we had this whole conversation where she's like, okay, well, let's say you had unlimited opportunities and you could do whatever you wanted. What would you want to do? And I was like, I love my podcast. I love podcasting. And my whole mood changed. And she even said, I don't know if you noticed this, but you just lit up talking about that. Like your energy change, your facial expressions change, your mood, your body language. Like, obviously I just feel you were feeling out of alignment and you need to go Mm -hmm. like after what you want to do. And so I think that's when I was willing to admit it because I was like, yeah, it was like a heavy weight on my chest that I could not, to your point earlier, like just go another day. I was like, I don't want to feel like this. And the reality of, this is your life if you stay in that life. For example, if I decided to stay in that sales job, it's not like all of a sudden one year you get to take five months off. Like that's it. You know what I mean? You get you get your seven to 10 days every year. 
you get the same holiday breaks. It's the same thing every year, literally until you retire and then die. And the magnitude of that, just thinking of like, wow, this is really my life. Like I'm only going to get maximum two weeks off of work and travel and try and just see as much as I can in those 14 days. Like that did Mm. not sit well with me. And that's when I was like, you need to change this. Mm, That's so powerful. And that's just so important. That's like, okay, you know what you're longing for. And it's just up to us to admit when we are happy or unhappy and be willing to make the change even when it's uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. How was that transition? So what was it like between that point, getting the visa and then actually moving to Australia? Like what was the timeline of quitting your job and moving? Oh my gosh. It was almost a year. It was actually a year. So you can have a year. Yeah. You can have your, a year to activate your visa So I got it in August, 2018, and it didn't go until August, 2019. The, Mm. the initial reason for waiting was I was going to save a ton of money for my job and then move. And then I had friends, weddings, I had bachelorette parties. And I, at some point was just like, Chelsea, you're going to miss some people's weddings. You know what I mean? Like I'm at the age now where everyone's getting married, everyone's having children, buying houses, And I was like, if you keep waiting and waiting and waiting until everyone gets fully settled in their life, there's still (laughs) going to be something else. So, and for some reason, I always make this point to people like, so wait, I have to put my plans on hold for your life dream to get married, but it's not like you're going to push your wedding back until I get back from Australia. Right. How we've been conditioned to grow up is singledom is frowned upon and you need to move especially if there's like a a milestone in their life and I was like this isn't like I don't like this I feel like I'm putting my whole life on hold to be at your wedding and your bachelorette party and your engagement party and that is being moved around for my dream you mean so after a while I was like okay you cannot wait any longer and then a friend was like I would be really upset if you couldn't make it to my wedding and so I was like okay I'll wait till after her wedding And then I was doing really well at work and I was going to make a huge commission check. So I was like, well, let me wait until that comes in. So I actually changed my flight three times. I was originally supposed to go like, yeah, I was supposed to go like three months after I got my visa. Then I was supposed to go right after my friend's wedding, which was like six months after the visa was approved. Then I moved it to July. And then I was finally like, you know what, why don't you just, since you keep moving it, why don't you just wait until the last possible second that you have to be there, which is a year and Mm. see what happens and what was funny is I was actually waiting on a pretty big commission check that would have like transformed my life like I probably wouldn't have had to work for like six months in Australia and um it didn't come in the client didn't pay in time and we didn't penalize them or anything and it like shattered me because I was like holy shit that money was gonna make my life and I was like you know what once I got there my mom actually was like you know what Chelsea everything else worked out for you and that probably was supposed to happen. Like, you know what I mean? If I had that money, then I wouldn't have met the people I met because I would have lived in a different area or I would have traveled more. I wouldn't have found an apartment with people that I wanted to actually hang out with. I probably would have just been bopping all over Australia. So yeah, it took a year to get over there and I was just banking a lot on all these commission checks and then this one didn't even happen. And it was just kind of a, uh, a reality check, but also a learning lesson of like, you can't wait forever be grateful for what you have and everything is going to get you where you need to be. Like you're always going to be guided. 
Yeah, you're always going to be okay. I love that so much. And just the realization or the awareness around like, there's a reason why it didn't come in. There's a reason why all of it happens. And also it's a huge of, there's always going to be something else to come up. If you are trying to move, there's always going to be a reason to stay. There's always going to be an event. There's always going to be a friend who asks you to do something. If you're waiting to sign up for a course until you have more money, there's always going to be another expense. There's always going to be something else you have to put your money into. Like all we have is literally the present moment. So like, why do we waste so much fucking time? Like just settling and being unfulfilled and pushing it off and pushing it off just because we're scared. Like, I think that is the dumbest thing that we could do as humans. (laughs) Yeah. I waited a year and the, actually the hardest part about waiting that year was collecting a year's worth of other people's opinions. Everyone thought I was moving to go find a boy, find a husband, to be irresponsible, to just like fuck around for a year, to just, I was going through a phase, people wondering why would I leave such an amazing job? Like, and that actually started to really affect me where I was like, wait, am I making the wrong decision? Maybe I'll just go for two Mm -hmm. months and come back. And there was a lot, people were asking, oh, well, why don't you just ask your company to transfer you over there? And I was like, because this isn't about me staying in the job I'm in. This is about me like living more in alignment. And to mm-hmm. your point, like just waiting and waiting and settling, I started to like almost take on other people's fears and opinions and almost let it deter my whole plan. Right. Yeah. Cause I find that when you're in that state, uh, it's almost like a limbo. Like you know what you want, you know, you're unhappy with what's going on right now. You're figuring out all the details. And when you're in that space, there's just a lot of unknown. And in the unknown people think they can insert their opinions and their thoughts and their beliefs because you're kind of energetically open to it because you're just trying to be open to the actual answers. And so, so much comes through. And that's a huge reason why the most successful people make decisions quickly, in my opinion, because it's like, they just don't have the time to fucking listen to what other people have to say or their opinions. Right. So true. Mm, what a big, such big lessons. That's so good. And then you felt super resistant to Australia. What do you feel like has been your biggest lesson you've learned in Australia that you were probably resisting? Honestly, I feel like the biggest lesson I've learned is you cannot run away from your problems just because you move somewhere. I remember actually that was a big appeal of me moving to London. I was feeling so like uh, unfulfilled and unhappy and ungrateful and negative and just going through the motions that I remember thinking, Oh, I can't wait to get to London so I can just start a new life. Like, I remember thinking that like, I'm going to make new friends. I'm going to take on a new like character of myself. I'm going to be this new person version of Chelsea. And my therapist was like, just cause you change your surroundings doesn't mean you change. And I was yeah. like, no, she doesn't, she doesn't get it. Like I'm going to take, I'm going <laughs> to embody this new person. And luckily I completely outgrew that. Like I became such a happier person after really focusing on my own mental health and and movement and Mm -hmm. things like that. And so by the time I was moving to Australia, that whole idea had faded, but I still in my mind was like, Australia is going to be such a fun year. It's just going to be like partying and on the beach and chilling. And I have had so many problems, not only come up, but like magnified and thrown in my face that you thought you dealt with. And actually when you move abroad, they come up times 10 in my opinion. And it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. you thought you were done working on that. 
here's a lesson. Oh, you thought that would, didn't bother you anymore? Here's another lesson. And it just yeah. showed me, yeah, <laughs> I can change my surroundings. I can change my job. I can change my friend group. But those core issues that I've never resolved or even looked at trying to manage will come back up. And I, like, I've only been here for eight months. And I feel like I am a completely different person even than when I came here in August. And that has been the biggest learning lesson. Mm, that's so good. And I think a lot of people probably think the same thing. Like once you move, you're like clean slate, fresh start. And it's, it's like, yes, no. Yeah. It's like you're, everything is going to catch up to you. And I really truly believe that people can change. And, you know, you and I, we've both, you know, changed so much when we travel, like you definitely agree with that. It's like, but the thing is, the travel isn't what's going to change everything. It's you. It's always mm-hmm. you that creates the change, not moving to Bali, not moving to Australia, not doing a study abroad. It's it's you and your decision. Exactly. And yeah, there is like a mix of both. Of course, you change when you travel because, I mean, you mm-hmm. literally are hanging out with new people and seeing new things yeah. and environments. It's just those core issues. Like if I was unhappy and miserable with my, let's say, body in America, why would all of a sudden me living on a beach in Australia change that? You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be the same thought. It's just now I'm in a new location. So I've been, I really had my issues um, thrown in my face, but in a way I'm so grateful for it because I feel like it's really expanded how I manage things and just made me like a better person, honestly. Mm, that's so good isn't that funny how the things that we end up resisting so much teach us the biggest lessons (laughs) yes always 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 and you it's funny because it's like you know that you know what I mean I feel like me and you are so into manifestation and the spiritual realm and like okay I know this is gonna work out for me but then there's still that part that pops up that's like oh does it have to be this hard every time like can't we just right. make this a little easier and it's like <laughs> no do the work and get through the shit and then you'll come out on the other side mm-hmm. yeah it's that process can be so tough and I find like I do so much deep inner work on the daily and sometimes I will be in my journal and I will just stop and put my head in my hands and be like fuck like why does this have to be so hard like why does it have to hurt why do I have to pull out this memory that I have nicely tucked away right like, you resist and when I'm in those moments a lot of times I will like get on my phone I'll scroll on Instagram or like I'll go get water and a snack and I'll do everything to avoid finishing what I've started in my journal. And it's like, no, you have to push through. And mm-hmm. one thing that I've actually wrote to my clients today, it's like your success is going to be equivalent to the amount of discomfort you're willing to deal with because discomfort is what's get you out of your comfort zones. Like all these things that we're resisting, they just make us uncomfortable. So they're actually things that we need to follow. Absolutely. And it's, it's actually made me have really deep and vulnerable conversations with my parents, with siblings, with in relationships, with friends that I was definitely, unco- I would never have had these conversations a year ago. Like if you would have told me the conversations I was having with my mom about past trauma, if you told me I was doing that in America, I'd be like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? I would never talk to my mom about that. And then one right. day in Australia, here I am bawling to my mom. And then I felt this huge weight lifted off my shoulders that it was like, wow, that is the discomfort that I needed to go through to get this weird funk out of me that now I just feel lighter. Mm, 
That's so good. And I want to kind of shift and talk about the mindful movement piece. You mentioned that like super briefly, but I want to dive into it. So what does mindful movement mean? Yes, I feel like mindful movement is being super aware of linking your breath with movement and understanding what that energy is doing. So it's almost like a moving meditation. So for me, it's really been about low impact, slow and controlled movements. I came from America where I feel like I was brainwashed to think any workout (laughs) you do has to be 60 to 90 minutes. If you're not drenched in sweat and didn't burn 500 calories on your Apple watch, doesn't even count. (laughs) Like that is the world I came from in August, actually, right before I moved. I was Mm -hmm. signed up for four different studios. Okay. I had a spin membership, a personal trainer. I went to yoga studio and I did Pilates. I was doing two classes a day. I was doing 14 classes a week at for a month. And I was obsessed with like burning calories on my Apple watch. I was like psychotic about making it to every class. It became my life. And for some reason, like my body wasn't changing. And I'm like, how is this possible? I'm doing every movement you can think of. I'm moving my body every way. I'm burning calories left and right. Like, why am I not seeing a change? And when I got to Australia, because I was a not, I wasn't broke, but I just wasn't focused on spending my money on studios. You know what I mean? Like I had to find an apartment. I was saving my money for travel. So I was like, well, you don't really have money for, to join like one of these super expensive studios right now. Bondi Beach is really expensive. Um, and you don't, uh, you also don't have a job. So you need to go find a job. And the, the issue of just like, that wasn't on my radar. I was like, I need to find friends. I need to find what cafes I'm going to go to. Like I was just getting so settled that I was walking around all the time. And then I found a yoga studio that I could work at for free classes. And so then I was doing that and I was like, wait, I actually, I'm somehow seeing a change in my body, but I'm working out less. And then I realized it's because I wasn't stressed. I was walking around on the beach every day, doing slow flow yoga. I was going to yin yoga. And if anyone doesn't know what yin is, it's basically like a stretch class. You do no downward dogs, no vinyasas or anything. I was doing that. I was sleeping better. And I used to have to take melatonin, CBD oil, lavender spray, like all the works to get to bed. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, I'm not really changing my diet. I'm I'm still going out all the time. Like, what is the difference? And it was that slow, controlled, like mindful movement of, oh, wow, what is that glute muscle doing? Or, wow, I've never even felt this lateral plane of my body being stretched out. This feels really good. And that is what I've been doing now for the past eight months. And it's like transformed my mindset. And I've actually seen a change in my body. Mm, yeah, that makes so much sense. First of all, that it transforms your mindset because you just are like moving slower. You're like taught Mm -hmm. to slow down and be more present, especially with connecting to the breath. And even while you're talking, I'm kind of thinking about, um, when I got to Bali one week, me and my friends stayed at this hotel and they did free fitness classes. And she was like, let's go to Pilates. And I was like, okay. And I'd never been to Pilates before. When I'm at home, I'm like doing hit workouts, working out with a personal trainer, like, you know, burning calories as well. So American. Um, and then I went to this Pilates class and it was 60 minutes and I hated it. I was like, that was the boringest workout. I was like, I should be sweating. Like this was a waste of time, but it was like, I was resisting it so hard. Kind of like we were just talking about because that's what I need. Like I need to slow down. And it's just that program, that brainwashing of like 
you have to work hard. You have to sweat hard if you really want the results. And it's just not true that there's so much power in the slowing down into the going into what you're resisting. And it's like, when you're doing yoga, you're so present that you can feel all those muscles and all that, and you can release the emotion that is tied up in those muscles. So I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, it actually like transformed my life. I would say I actually ended up getting my yoga teacher training certificate in Bali in August. And I remember mm-hmm. what changed for me there because I was like, oh, I can't wait to go there and I'm going to burn all these calories because we're going to be doing yoga <laughs> all day. Like, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of the transformation of my body. I like totally forgot about the mindfulness piece. And I was like, yeah. wait, I cannot wait to get to Bali. I'm going to change my body. I'm going to be eating vegetarian, blah, blah, blah. And then I just remember thinking it's kind of disrespectful for me to wear my Apple watch in the middle of this villa in Bali and, you know, have it, you know, flash (laughs) whenever I hit the 500 calorie mark. So I was like, leave your Apple watch in your room, respect the tradition, learn the yoga. And it was at that training that I was like, whoa, this is not just about like, you know, holding a plank for 60 seconds or how much, you know, vegetarian food I can eat and hopefully lose weight. It was like a total (laughs) mental shift. And that is really when I started appreciating about slowing down, like you said, because I had come from the world of like spin classes, yelling in your face, disco ball lights, like so intense. And I was like, yoga training is going to suck. And it ended up being like one of the best things for not only my mental health, but like my body as well. Mm, And I love that you said that you just, your anxiety was so much more down, I guess it would be like the weirdest way to say that, but it's like, you didn't have so much anxiety. So your body could actually change your body could function. What do you feel like is the big shift there? Like, why do you feel like the low anxiety contributes to the getting results? I think two things. I think one is my cortisol, which is the stress hormone is completely down. I am now a big believer that cortisol is the reason why everyone is like overweight in America because they eat at their desk. They don't take time to sit down and eat their food. They're rushing to their workout class. They're doing these insane workouts where again, it's like dark and it's pitch black. Your instructor is yelling at you to finish 10 more reps. And then you go home, you're stressed about what to eat. You eat some shit dinner. You sleep like shit because you're on Instagram. And then you wake up and rinse and repeat so your hormones are all, all out of whack. Whereas when I was doing this uh, more slow controlled movement, it wasn't like that. I wasn't like, ah, I got to get to yoga and burn 500 calories. It was like, ah, oh, wow. I can't wait to do that slow class. I'm going to walk in, like float out, go to bed, walk to my class and enjoy the beach walk when I get there. You know what I mean? It was just a totally mm-hmm. different uh, way of, of, of working out. And I think the cortisol is because it went down, then my stress and anxiety went down. And the second thing is just the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like eradicating the idea that a workout has to be to look hot. You know what I mean? Like I was working out a lot for looking hot. Hopefully I get abs. Hopefully I get, you can see my tricep muscles. Hopefully I look like a Kardashian after this. And of course, like there's still that piece of, yeah, of course yeah. I want to look good. I'm not saying that, that that's not part of it, but I started working out for the long game. And that mm-hmm. is when I realized, oh, I want to be able to run after my kids or stretch. Or if I go, go to Europe when I'm 55, that I can actually walk around for five hours. And that's when I started seeing such a shift too. Cause it was like, 
my mental clarity came from the slow controlled movements, but then envisioning my life in the future, that is when I felt like the anxiety went down. Cause I was like, Chelsea, you're doing this now for the right reasons. And that's why I feel like I saw such a shift with my own like stress and anxiety. Oh, that's so good. And so important. I think a lot of times we really forget to look at the why behind exercise beyond our image. And I'm so guilty of that too. I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I need to work out. Like I, you know, I just ate like three rolls of sushi. Like I need to get in a workout, but it's like, well, if you make it so much bigger than yourself and you tie it to that life vision, you're more inclined to like do the workouts first of all. And then you're also more inclined to do ones that you enjoy. Cause you're like, well, I'm not doing this for the body. I'm just doing it so I can continue enjoying my life. So let's make this an enjoyable experience. Exactly. It's such a different mind game when you look at it for enjoying it and not a punishment. That was my biggest Mm -hmm. thing to your point earlier. I ate three sushi rolls. Now I have to burn it off. I was punishing myself going to those 14 classes. Like, oh, you didn't burn 500 calories yesterday. You better go harder in this class. Oh, you had a brownie at lunch. You better book two classes tomorrow. Like it was a Mm -hmm. form of my own torture. And I think that did affect my hormones and my body. My body was reacting to negativity. And obviously when you have a negative mindset and you're doing everything for the wrong reasons, of course, you're not going to see any change. So it made a lot of sense when I had that switch that, oh, duh, now I'm in a positive mind space. I like going to these workouts. I'm paying attention to them and I'm doing it for the right reasons. My body's reacting accordingly. Mm, Yeah. Huge energy shift there. So it's like the intention behind all of it changes everything. 100%. That's so good. So with the cortisol, how can listeners lower their cortisol? Is that, you know, just creating a meditation practice? Is that giving themselves more time during the day? What would be like the easiest things to do to lower your cortisol? Oh my gosh. I love this question. I would say (laughs) I'll give you like maybe three to five tips because these are all things I've done. So the first is making time to sit down and enjoy your food. Coming from corporate America, it was cool to eat at your desk, eat as fast as you could and get back to work. It was cool to let people know that you hadn't even gone to the bathroom because you were working so hard. It was cool to say, oh my God, I haven't eaten a a meal all day. Like I'm just going to grab something and eat it in my car. I don't know why we really put an honor on being busy, but Mm -hmm. I learned that immediately to lower my cortisol, making even if you have an hour lunch break and you know that your boss would get upset if you took the whole hour, which is also not real, you could still <laughs> go to a park outside, go find a nice little ledge somewhere, go even in, in your own office, just go to the spaces that they have built for you to go sit down, enjoy your lunch and actually appreciate it. Like look at the colors of your food, actually chew your food. I was someone that like barely chewed and just swallowed and got right back to work. Um, Enjoy the taste of your food. That actually does play a role even scientifically like satiation and smelling your food and really tasting it. That was something that lowered my cortisol immediately and not bringing my phone to lunch. Like I'm not eating my wrap in one hand and then scrolling on the other. It was like, no, let me take a moment to just reflect on the day while I'm eating. And that Mm -hmm. is now true for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I don't bring my phone. If I do, it must be really important because to me, that's almost like my sacred eating time. And I really Mm -hmm. want to like appreciate the food that's nourishing my body. So that would be the first one. Second one is take a look at your workouts 
And trust me, I'm still, there's still days where I'm like, oh, I, I maybe need to like burn a, more calories or feel a bigger sweat, but do something that you like. And Michaela, you and I have tried these dance classes in Bali that were fucking amazing. Uh, and you, you burn, like you're sweating. I was like, that's yeah. the funnest thing I've ever done. And I had like, I had a smile on my face. I felt so confident after that. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's a, technically you could call that a workout. But it was to me like did not feel like that. So it's like finding right. those things that you can, if you feel like you need to be drenched in sweat, maybe find something different that's not the traditional, you know, CrossFit Orange Theory type of thing. Maybe it's right. dance class. Maybe it's rock climbing outside. It's just something a little different because I think your body reacts to how the environment is when you work out. So evaluating mm-hmm. your workouts and seeing is this a punishment or am I actually enjoying this? And then the third is probably incorporating meditation any way you can. And I feel like there's a big misconception that if you meditate, it has to be for 30 minutes plus, you need to have an out-of-body experience. You're not supposed to think <laughs> at all. Your, your mind is supposed to go blank. And I'm like, I don't know where we got that idea, but that is absolutely no, not no. true. You so can wrong. do, you literally, yeah, you could do two minutes of breathing, like deep breathing in the back of an Uber, and that would calm your nervous system. And I've kind of tested this out now. Like if I'm in the middle of doing something and I get really stressed, I'm like, hold on, take three deep breaths, close your eyes and just repeat something like I am grounded. I am safe. I am here. And it's like, boom, gone. So mm-hmm. don't think that you have to have a two hour plus meditation practice on a cushion in the corner of your room. You could seriously <laughs> pull a timer out for three minutes do it anywhere you want and just focus on the inhalations and exhalations that will completely calm your nervous system, which will then in turn lower your cortisol. So yeah, I would say those are the big three that I work on is my workouts, meditating and enjoying my food and making the time to eat it and appreciate it. I love that. I love the eating one because for me, so I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I love to like watch Gossip Girl while I eat dinner. Are you just like literally sitting there with your food? Like it just you and your food and that's it? Or are you like watching YouTube or nothing at all? Yeah, good question. So in the morning, nothing at all. Like I usually just have my coffee and my whatever I'm eating, like fruit or something. And I go mm-hmm. out to, actually, I would say I make my breakfast type of part of my like journaling routine. So I'll go out on oh. the little patio and I'll, that will be like, I'll be taking a sip of my coffee, grabbing a bite of my banana, writing a journal entry, then looking at it, reading it. And I, that's kind of my time to like reflect is breakfast journaling in the morning. Then at lunch, mm-hmm. I think it's because if you're busy all day to me, all these eating times are almost like mindful breaks. So lunch, yeah. I don't, I don't even like bring out my laptop or anything. I just sit at the table and I, I'm kind of just thinking the whole time. (laughs) Like I'm very in my own head where I'm just sitting there like, okay, what have I accomplished today? What am I grateful for? What am I doing after this? It's a big time of reflection because it's the middle of the day for me. And then at night, I'm trying to think what I do at night. I'm usually eating with someone else. So nighttime is kind of like my socialization piece. And if it's at home, I still, I'll find myself without my phone and start looking at emails and Instagram and that's when I realize I'm not chewing. I don't even know what bite I'm on. Like, how am I already done with my dinner? I just started. And that's when I realized this is a distraction. I need to be a little more present. And yeah, so I don't, I, I try to make those all times for like mental breaks, especially someone like you being an entrepreneur where you go, go, go. Yeah. You have to wake up at random times of the night. 
It's like use that time to just reflect and make it like a mindful eating moment. I think the theme of today is like mindful everything, mindful movement, mindful mindful eating. Yeah. (laughs) Mindful moving across the world. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Everything is just having mindfulness to it. But I find that Mm -hmm. I actually enjoy my meals more if I'm appreciating it, just like when you appreciate money or you send gratitude to yourself or anyone else. It's like, if you can send gratitude to your food and what it's doing for you and like, look at the plate and appreciate it. For me, it's almost like an experience versus just, oh, I have to eat lunch. Mm, Yeah, that's so good. And with the mindfulness topic, it's just, everything is an intention. So when you're more intentional, you're more present every single moment, it's just your whole life just gets so much better because you aren't think you're not rushing through things and you're not like worried all the time. You're not super in your head. You're just like, okay, let's take a breath. Let's, you know, what is the intention? Maybe it's gratitude. Maybe it's releasing in my yoga flow. Maybe, you know, maybe it's really discovering myself on this trip, you know, whatever it might be. The intention setting behind everything is such a game changer. It really is. And when you have that intention, it it comes through too. Like I remember walking out into the kitchen the other day and I even noticed myself of how good of a mood I was in. It was like actually joyful. And I was like, why am I in this mood? Like, I'm in the middle of a quarantine. <laughs> I can't go home. I don't, I'm like unemployed. I am living, you know what I mean? Like if you look at it on my situation on paper, people be like, why the fuck are you so happy right now? And I was like, mm-hmm. I think because I just had such a mindful morning. Like I was so grateful to have that moment to myself and eat my banana, enjoy my coffee, write my little mm-hmm. journal entry that I like, tra- I was like floating in the kitchen. They're like, are you like, did you just take something? <laughs> like you're such in a good right. mood. I was like, that's what mindfulness can do. Mm, that's so good. This is why I harp on daily rituals, like having a morning routine that really grounds you and sets you up for success. I think that's so important. And it's not like beating yourself up. Like you have to do every single step, but it's like, what at least one or two things can you do for yourself first thing in the morning? So then you can feel like you're floating through your day with like ease and flow. A hundred percent. I'm so happy you said that because being in the wellness world, you've probably Mm -hmm. seen it's wake up, drink warm lemon water, take a shot of apple cider vinegar, write your morning pages for an hour, meditate for 30 (laughs) minutes, um, send gratitude to this person. Right. And I'm like, how do people have time for that? And finally I was like, right. (laughs) I'm like, my morning routine is if I don't count the workout is barely 10 minutes. Like I write, Mm -hmm. I I fill up my page. I drink my coffee, eat my banana, do a five minute meditation that that all takes less than 30 minutes and can transform my day. And I can tell Mm -hmm. you like anecdotally when I don't do that, I do feel out of alignment. I'm like, why am I cranky? Why am I reactive? Why am I pissed off? And I'm like, oh, well, I haven't meditated in a week. The last time I wrote in my journal was two weeks ago. And I've done one workout. No wonder I'm in such a bad mood. Mm-hmm. Amen. So you guys heard it here. You can do your morning ritual and it's going to take less than 30 minutes. Like you can definitely, yes. definitely commit to that. Whether you are working corporate, working for yourself, not working and you have kids, like we can all find at least 15 to 30 minutes every morning. Yeah. And you can break it up maybe on your car on the way to work you listen to an inspirational podcast. Like for me, that's actually part of my morning morning routine too, is like filling my brain with things that inspire me. It doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be so strict and rigid. As long as, like you said, it's just pick one to two things that work for you and you will see a transformation. 
Mm, yeah, I love that so much. This has been so good. I feel like now I want to get back into my yoga practice. That's what this has really reminded me to do. <laughs> yes, mindful everything. Mindful all the things. Okay, and tell the people where they can find you and hang out with you online because now you're going to be doing all the yoga stuff, all the mindful stuff, all the breathing meditation stuff, and clearly my people need that. So... <laughs> Yes, absolutely. You can find me at Yoga Girl Next Door, just exactly how it sounds. No underscores or anything. Yoga Girl Next Door on Instagram. I also have a Facebook group called Beginner and Accessible Yoga and Meditation to address all the things we talked about, like people thinking that yoga is intimidating or that they can't meditate or that they're not religious or spiritual. Like, absolutely not. You can do all this stuff. So you can join my Facebook group. I also have a business page with the same exact handle, Yoga Girl Next Door. And my personal Instagram is Chelsea Rife, R-I-F-F-E, if you want to DM me about anything not yoga related, because I also do other things as much as I've talked about <laughs> mindfulness, you can reach out to me there too. Perfect. And we'll have that all linked in the show notes. Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this. Like I feel so calm and centered oh, after talking yay. about mindfulness. <laughs> thank you i'm so happy i could help and i'm glad to have had this conversation hopefully you guys all find value amazing okay guys don't forget to rate review go follow chelsea and we will talk to you next week bye bye thanks for diving in and getting your daily dose of personal development with the mindset magic and manifestation podcast if you loved this episode, leave a rate and review on iTunes. For notes, details, and more information, check out MichaelaJ.com. See you next week.